0: Hello and welcome to the Heresy Grad School. My name is Jesse, your adjunct professor. I'm here today with Jason, Dave, and Pat.
1: Hey, guys. How's it going? Hi, guys.
0: This episode, we're continuing on our coverage of the Dark Angels in Book 9, Crusade. And we're going to be hitting up the Rangdon campaigns on page 90 today.
2: Yeah, this was absolutely the first thing I, um, when I got this book, I I think flip to. Jesse, I think you did too. I think we both got our books around the same time. We both flipped to the Rangdon campaigns because we were like, this is this is what defined the, the Dark Angels.
0: Yeah, it was definitely a turning point that is shrouded in mystery for much of the horse heresy. It's only kind of mentioned in whispers and side comments with great reverence in the books and such. So getting a little bit more into it. Getting a little peek behind the curtains was something I was eager to uh, eager to do. So here we are. I said on page ninety, the Rangdon campaigns. Um well first off, uh Jason or Pat, what do you guys know of the Rangdon campaigns? Uh not a whole heck of a lot, truth
3: be told. Uh, the Dark Angels are not exactly my specialty. The only seconded yeah. The only deal I do kinda know is from that short story in Scions of the Emperor where uh tiny spoiler, uh, <laughs> while the lion is out persecuting the genocides, uh Alfarius shows up before Alpharius has been discovered to uh give him give him a little uh heart to heart, see what's going on. It's good
0: stuff. But that's about it for me. And Dave, what about yourself? Got any Did you have any background on this beforehand?
2: I think I knew a little bit about it. Um, I can't remember what the source or reference was, but um, I, 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 I actually think the Rangda have been around, the mention of the Rangda have been around since book one. Um, so mm-hmm. I think this was something that was always kicking around in the back of uh, Alan Bly's head, you know, this was sort of the evil that lurks beyond the curtain, right? This is this was the impetus for the emperor's um, imperative, yeah, right? To uh, you know, muster and and uh, send the forces out into the dark. Um, so there had to be something out there. There had to be something out in the dark, right? Or else the emperor is just kind of uh, blowing smoke. Um, and. <laughs> and uh so th- i think the ranga were the thing uh they were always they were always the thing that threatened sort of humanity and species extinction um and uh so i think and i know it was mentioned earlier in the black books i don't remember exactly where we'll certainly post that and you know post notes and sources but um and if you go online you know mm-hmm. you can you can google the sources but uh I think it's always been around, and I think this was sort of the first time that it's really been blown out in in the sort of the detail, which is what the black books are famous for, right? I mean, you get the you get the teasers and the lore and and the black library novels, but really the black books lay it down in fact, you know, in history, and you don't have that. You know, I'm using air quotes, right? You don't have that unreliable narrator, you know. Well, like this, this to some extent. I mean, you,
0: you, I, to some extent. <laughs> it's still written by a historian. Of the Imperium. Obviously.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: And while they may not uh, be completely uh, propagandized to some degree, there's still a bit of uh, perspective laid into it.
1: I think really the only thing that I remembered, or that like I had any knowledge around it, was that the, uh, the Rangda in... Had like the Slough, which are this like the the are, like mentioned in all sorts of books. Whether that's Black Library to like Old Rogue Trader to um, even some of the Fantasy Flight series of like these maggot men who control people psychically, and, and definitely the, uh, the 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 dark things.
0: Oh, I've I've always read it. I've always read it and pronounced it as slot, but. Oh, uh, yeah. Slot. Slough. I, is I it think t, the is t there a T? Is t, silent, t is silent? But, you you know, maybe? It, I don't know. They're all silent. It's, it's, it's the grim dark. You can be whatever. Okay, but yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I think the guys at uh, Oz30K had some models that are made to look somewhat like the Slot. I think they call them Mysterious Stranger. I can't remember, but they're pretty cool models. So the Rangdon campaigns. The Imperium is a fragile sliver of sanity in the world, in the Void, besieged upon all sides by forces of monstrous dread that are held at bay only by the blood and sacrifice of millions of forgotten heroes. For every crusade trumpeted in the masses a safe legacy of triumph and glory, like the much-lauded victory at Ullinor, there are a hundred dire tales of desperate stalemate with forces malignant beyond mortal ken. Were the populace of the Imperium to realize the dire peril in which they existed in the tenuous days of the Great Crusade, then it is likely that the Terror would have kept them prisoner on Old Earth, never to reach out for the stars. Of all these hidden threats and dire wars against the Unknown, the most infamous among scholars of the Forbidden is that of the Rangdon Campaigns. Alright, so, uh, these campaigns have long been relegated to the footnotes of history, little understood by the common historian save as an obscure reference to a forgotten evil. In reality, the wars against the Rangda threatened the utter destruction of all the realms of mankind, the destruction of his dominion, and the butchery of its subjects. More than 80,000 of the legionis Astartes and uncounted millions of the Imperial Army gave their lives to hold back the hordes of the Rangda and their cohorts over the wars fought across some two decades of the great crusade the dark angels stand prominent in the telling of this tale and it is by their hand that so few details are known for it was deemed by the first legion that all knowledge of the rangda and the wars fought against them should be purged for the good of the imperium much of the facts surrounding those battles have long since been obscured by rumor and invention with even the true form of the rangda forgotten all that remains are a few blurred and indistinct pics of fallen rangdon warriors and ancient horror stories speaking of towering xenos of monstrous appearance and terrifying intellect there were conquerors and destroyers whose seat of power lay along the very edges of the galaxy a race whose foul technology and cruel ambition were a match for that of the imperium and whose determination to rule over all others threatened to drown the emperor's dream of empire and blood it is beyond the scope of this volume to address the full impact and devastation wrought during the campaigns that would see the eventual extinction of the Rangda, though perhaps future works may address this omission. However, considering the integral role of the First Legion in the events of all three Rangdon campaigns, it seems appropriate that the base facts of the fighting be presented here, at least in brief. So, we're probably not going to see the Rangda themselves anytime soon.
2: Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think they exist. Um, and I, I mean, I think that's interesting, right? I mean, because there, there are still rates, races that sort of do exist, right, that um, can trace their lineage back to pre-Crusade. Um, the Crave, I think, the Frawl, mm. uh, you know, to, to a certain extent, both um, under the Crave or certainly psychic race. Uh, I think the Frall have some degree of, of of psychic potential, but but the Rangda were deemed such a threat that they were literally exterminated um, over the course of three crusades, which which we'll get into. Um, y- y- you know, but this is again, I you know, I I don't want to belabor the point, but this is very much the you know, the the crisis for the Emperor and what gets him to finally, you know, um, unify um, Terra, Old Earth, and send out the Legionus Astartes, the first of which obviously are the the Dark Angels, the first Legion. Um, because I think at this point, the Rangda are, are only at the edge of the galaxy. So it's it's almost like the Tyranids, right? Like you've you've got to keep them from coming in mm-hmm. because once they get in, once they have a foothold, uh, you'll, you'll never not get them out. Right. They'll just become sort of invasive and um, it really, I mean, threat to species
0: extinction. Right. So they say,
2: <laughs> so, so the <laughs> scholars say, right. Which is all we have to go on. Yeah. We're, we're not unsealing any, uh, look,
0: look, you're just gonna have to trust us. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Nudge, nudge. Wink, wink. Uh.
2: <laughs> but I mean, I think I think some of the numbers there are 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 sort of um, too easy to gloss over, right? Like yeah, millions eight, of, of imperial guardsmen.
0: Yeah, it's easy to say millions. <laughs> right. <laughs> 80,000 80, legionnaires, though. Yeah. Jesus. That's a lot of space marines against non-space marine combat. So yeah, they probably were a bit of a threat. For sure. Um, moving on. Uh, these wars fought against the Rangda number three in total. The first of these campaigns, the assault and destruction of Advek Moor in 839 M30, is probably the first encounter between the forces of the Emperor and the Rangda, and has been covered elsewhere in, the treaties, in this treatise in some detail. Hmm. A little farther down the book, I guess. Advek's Moor would later be discovered to be little more than a small outpost of the Rangdon Empire, a minor station at the edge of their domains. In the aftermath of the Imperium's assault, the Rangda paused in their conquests elsewhere to turn their eye back upon Odvek Moor and the surrounding systems, now swarming with the Imperium's colonies and fleets. The victory at Odvek despite the steep price paid to secure it, would prove to be little more than prelude to true assault. That's right, and that's what we covered uh, last episode. We had a previous episode of Dark Angels, if you want to check that out, their first encounter. In 862 M30, the Rangda returned to the Imperium space, making the start of the Second Rangdon War. They came not with a single small fleet, but with a vast armada comprising thousands of vessels, as well as over a dozen war, ma- war moons, a force of might far exceeding that of the small garrisons and expeditionary fleets in the area. They struck the northern fringe of the Imperium like a thunderbolt, annihilating the fleets set in defense over to fledgling colonies and forcing the colonists into neutral shackles. No, oh, I'm sorry, into neural shackles. It was only by the efforts of expeditionary fleets under the banner of the 5th and 19th Legions that the ride was delayed long enough for Imperium forces to rally, and the price they would pay to buy this respite was staggering, making a stand at the isolated forge world of Xana. The combined forces of the 5th and 19th Legions fought a bitter action for eight months at a cost of 3,000 of the Legionus Astartes and many hundreds of thousands of Mechanicum Thralls. The Siege of Xana would be broken by the furious onslaught of the Dark Angels and Death Guard, shattering the Rangdon blockade and cutting a path through the slave cohorts on the surface to once again open up the forge as a beachhead for the Imperium's counterattacks. Good old Xana!
3: Yeah, that's one thing I actually kind of forgot about until recently, I'm kind of rereading this. Mm-hmm. Way, way back when we did our coverage on Zana 2, uh, the amount of troops they were kind of, they had siphoned from their forge worlds, you know, to uh, send into the genocides was one of the major factors mm-hmm. that kind of pushed them away from the Imperium initially. You remember for a long time, they were maintaining that they weren't allying with Horus or the emperor, but Mm -hmm. uh, while the emperor's envoys were getting like, you know, turned away, uh, they were kind of letting Horus's envoys in. Yeah. But the the rang genocides were one of the big things that caused a problem for them.
2: Jason, I totally remember that. And I think we also talked about it in um, relationship to the Titan legions. Mm Um, that the, and it's, I'm totally, uh, drawn a blank now, but what were the two Titan legions that came from Xana? Uh,
3: the Death's Cry and the Gore Crows.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And they both spent like a considerable amount of their material strength, I think, in sort of, uh, defensive of of the Imperium in those campaigns.
3: That they did was not a popular action.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it sort of would make anyone bitter, I guess, you know, but, you know, those, the sacrifices oh. that have to be made.
3: So, one thing I was kind of thinking about, have you guys ever noticed that major wars for the Imperium always come in three parts? So, there were three wars for Armageddon, <laughs> there were three stages to the Siege of Vrax, there were three stages to the Badab Wars. There were three genocides, or three campaigns against the Ranga.
0: Well, every good story needs a beginning, middle, and end, Jason. (laughs) Or comedy's best in threes, I don't know. It's
3: on the campaign, right?
0: Yeah, if you like that joke the first time, wait till you hear the next two. (laughs) Also, we wipe your civilization out.
3: Classic. Right? Classic imperial humor.
0: (laughs) Oh, Lord. All right, moving on. What would follow was more than two decades of war, millions upon millions of deaths, nineteen inhabited systems laid waste, and a ban on further expeditions past the exclusion posts on Endrix or Endris and Morox. Before the crisis was declared ended, contingents from the nine separate legions would become embroiled in the fighting, with more than three hundred thousand Space Marines being deployed at the height of the conflict during the climatic trial on Taxel. Due to the widespread nature of the campaign. This battle honor goes to no single warlord, though three of the Primarchs were known to have led their troops in a battle against the Rangda. Despite this, the Primarch of the Dark Angels is widely held to be the foremost commander of the war. Hmm.
3: Anybody got a map? Yes, but who are the other two?
0: I might Perhaps. find out later, but I'm kind of glancing through and I'm not seeing any. But I mean, we I do know the Death Guard in was in there.
3: Uh, the ninth- who were in there. They yeah.
0: The 5th and the 19th. Yeah. So the Raven Guard and... Yeah, but they were to of
3: as the 19th Legion where they say Death Guard and Dark Angels instead of the Legion number. So Korax, I don't think Korax is back yet. He was like uh, yeah, yeah. second to last before um Alpharius.
1: No, it's 5th so it's going to be uh, White Scars.
3: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually.
1: Well, but then, but we have them fighting um, before that paragraph that Jesse just got to in um, 862 M30 um, mm-hmm. as kind of like, I guess, the forward reconnaissance. But I'd like to know where andrus and Morox are. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on a star chart, but.
0: Somewhere in the XANA system, but... Uh, that's a dick
3: question.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like we um, we got a pretty sweet XANA star chart. I just can't remember where it is. I'll have to go. I'll do some digging.
0: XANA was in book six, if I remember right. Yes. To the star yeah, charts. I, th-
2: I think it may also have gotten blown out in one of the Titanicus books.
0: That's a good possibility um, as well.
2: I, I remember seeing it in blue somewhere. <laughs> so... Uh, hold on a second. I'll, uh, I'll take it. I'll take a dive while you guys go discuss.
0: Yeah. Uh, the last known battle of the second Rangdon campaign is thought to have occurred in 882 M30, a chance encounter with a battered Rangdon fleet, a broken remnant of the vast armada that had challenged the Imperium and lost at the time. The truth of the Rangdon campaign of the slaughter endured and how the Imperium had teetered on the brink of ruin was concealed. Those worlds tainted beyond recovery were abandoned and the surviving veterans sworn to silence or eliminated, for it was deemed necessary that the Rangda must vanish if the Imperium was to rebuild. Much of its legend would come later, the invention of remembrancers and ideologues eager to promote the glory of the Great Crusade, and was composed of as much fiction as fact. For most this marked the end of the wars with the Rangda, an end to one threat among thousands, a simple, if bloody, Waymarker in the Great Crusade's inexorable path. That's pretty nuts.
1: That is pretty nuts. One thing that I know, I think we've discussed this on previous Heresy grad schools, but war moons. Come on, guys. Somebody yeah. find me a model or somebody make me a model of a war moon.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's its a Death Star. Yeah. Right. Like,
0: And they had several this time around. Yeah, like a yeah. dozen
3: of them. Well, I mean, it's not a Death Star. It's a non-IP-infringing <laughs> spherical battle station.
0: War Moon! <laughs> yeah, I think war they had a, I think they had a single one when they first uh, came across yeah. them.
3: I still don't yeah. know how they compare to the Mechanicum War Moons, because it wasn't Pandex. Mezua. Mezua totally had a War Moon. They had worse fears, didn't they? Not war moons. Something. I mean, I think that would imply that bears are smaller, right? Like, right. War sphere does not sound as intimidating as war moon.
0: Yeah, because that. that could be the size of a tennis ball. Right. Still counts as a <laughs> sphere.
1: <laughs> yeah, counts. <laughs> Turns out, it's just a bunch of single fighter war spheres. And they kind of look like the uh, the Shriners in a parade.
0: But yeah, so <laughs> all the Go veterans ahead. sworn to silence or eliminated. That's how much I wanted to keep this under wraps. That's pretty. It's almost. It's like a tiny imperial truth, right?
3: It's yeah, like the
0: deal is with the
3: demons, just on like a slightly smaller scale, and one yeah. that's
0: probably particularly easier to hide. Maybe question yeah. mark. Mm-hmm.
1: It reminds me of, uh, I can't remember the Grey Knights novel, it might actually be called Grey Knights, but essentially they fight Angron with the Space Wolves, and if you haven't read the book by now, t- tough, um, yeah, but yeah, so like, yeah, but they kill off, or they try to kill off all of the Imperial Guard,
3: because mm-hmm. they can't
1: let anyone talk about the fact that, you know, Angron's a demon now.
3: Oh Yeah. Ah. And uh, Logan Grimnar totally decapitates like three, four leaders of the Grey Knights in like one fell swoop. It's terrific.
1: <laughs> the only time I'll ever appreciate
3: Space Wolves, right, is when they're spiting Grey Knights. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, I find it fascinating because, like, from here on out, like, what can we truly know of the if <laughs> It's all just a fairy tale at this point.
3: Right. I think we don't know what they look like. Yeah. From a storytelling perspective, I think that's super cool from the like fictional historian in me. That's super frustrating because I <laughs> want to know all the things.
0: Yeah. I have a feeling that it's probably going to be a while before we see anything close to a story with active ring to end there.
3: But it'd be cool.
0: It would be cool. But I feel like that's probably going to be on a back burner project for a while. Just judging by what they're talking about here, if ever. Yeah. But back to the Rangda campaigns. Uh, the third and final Rangdon War, more commonly known as the Rangdon Zenocide, TMTMTM, TM, TM, is little known <laughs> and in its many histories completely absent. It was conducted under the orders of the Divisio Militaris by the combined forces of the Dark Angels and Space Wolves, the final and irrevocable solution to the threat of the Rangda that great and terrible race had been sorely wounded by their losses in the second war with the imperium but not vanquished they had returned to their ancient homeworlds, and there nourished by hate and a dark hunger they had grown strong once again by chance those nests were discovered by a roving company of white scars after the lifting of the edict of exclusion in 887 m30 news the sons of jagatai brought to the courts of the lion and the wolf Those two, often antagonistic warlords, were united by the same bleak purpose. For if the Rangda still lived, they must be swiftly and utterly destroyed, lest they rise again and ignite another great war. Together they and their legions visited hell upon the remaining Rangda, scouring their last worlds clean from orbit, and then descending to verify the termination of every hive and fortress with blade and flame. This last campaign was no war but a brutal and one-sided extermination, Neither Russ nor the Lion held any illusions of tawdry chivalry to slay their hands, to stay their hands, and took a savage and final satisfaction in the utter annihilation of every last warrior and worker of the Rangdon breed. In the space of a year, the galaxy had wiped clean of the Rangda, their last fastnesses turned down, and all traces of their works brought to ruin. The world of Rangda, once a vast and hideous city, was left as little more than planes of fractured glass formed from atomic fire became the site of a Chantry House of the First Legion, home of the Order of Broken Claws, the keeper of the last set of codices that detail the Rangda and their weaknesses. This was the end of both the Rangda and the campaigns against them, a quiet and undignified slaughter, undertaken with the stoic determination that was the hallmark of the two rival primarchs of Caliban and Fenris. If any of the Xenos breed known to the Imperium as the Rangda survive, in some far flung outpost beyond the edge of the galaxy, then they have not returned to seek their vengeance. But the sentinels placed by the first legions still watch and wait, and should they falter in some distant future where the legions have ceased to be, I fear for the Imperium
2: I love that last little bit of detail, man. Mm. Right? Just like you can see the last outpost of of, you know, Dark Angels on this forlorn you know uh hellscape right this planet that's yep. just been exterminatus and they're just keeping vigil um and i love that cuz it just sort of leaves it open right wait are they still there where is it you know uh what happened so it's pretty cool
0: yep, i need to know what a chantry house is cuz i've i've never really heard of that term before
1: i do think it's interesting that they allude to They kind of allude to what the Rangdon may look like or how they live, kind of like insectoids from, from, Mm. you know, those last two or three paragraphs talking about hives and their workers and things like that.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, so a Chantry, also known as a Chantry Chapel, is a memorial or even a complete building dedicated to the memory of a person or family. In the medieval period, it was common for wealthy patrons of a church to give a grant of money to pay for a priest to say prayers for themselves and their family. So it's like a, yeah, like just a memorial house, more or less.
2: Yeah, it's, it's sort of um, in memoriam, right, mm, to mm-hmm. all the lives lost against the Rangda in the campaign. And it, it has to be out there. Because you can't talk about the Rangda anywhere else, so it's you know it's the last you know the last place where you can even talk about the Rangda. It's just a Dark Angel's memorial <laughs> somewhere, <laughs> way out on the uh, the edge of sort of known space.
0: And apparently, that's where they keep books of information of the Rangda.
2: Be a great Inquisitor series, man, or mm. just a, a short story, right? Just some. Yeah. Some inquisitor in the 41st millennium gets, uh, you know,
0: so a little... The, so they're called the Order of the Broken Claws, and I remember seeing that in this book further on. So I'm going to skip ahead a little bit to 107, where they have a little blurb as part of the Hecatonistica. Um, they have the Order of the Broken Claw. they got a little paragraph here. Uh, Formed in the wake of the second Rangdon Xenocide, this small order holds the only full and complete accounting of that war and the Xenos strain known as the Rangda, with access to the detailed catalogue of anatomical data p- compiled by firewing operators and dreadwing uh chi- Chirophages? Chirophages. The adepts of this order are trained to stand against the worst Rangdon bioforms in combat and emerge victorious. During the bloody sieges of the third Rangdon Xenocide they won much renown for their prowess, both in combat and in anticipating and countering the strategies of the Rangdon Warmasters, But in the wake of the Rangdon's apparent annihilation, they have dwindled in number. By the time of the Horus Heresy, few members of the Order remain, with only a single Chantry Station still in service over the ruined world of Odvex Moor, where the relics of the Dread Rangda are entombed. there you go. I do like that.
2: Yeah, that's... I I love it, man, because that's also the Dark Angels, right? So you can be Mm -hmm. from different uh, wings... Right? Yeah. If you've got the knowledge of how to counter a, a certain threat to the Imperium, then you're inducted into an order. Um, so I can I can only imagine that there was some roundup of this order that had uh, happened, and they were probably excluded to Advex Mort, right? They were just... I mean, if you had knowledge yeah. of the Rangda...
0: They wanted you... you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You have that special knowledge that, one we want to keep secret, and two we'll definitely need if, for some godforsaken reason, they show up again, which, we weren't planning to, but, yep, they probably just sit around in that little uh, chapel, just practicing all day and keeping to the books.
1: It's gonna be real boring.
0: Probably better than the alternative, though.
1: Yeah, that's true. They did have to essentially sit out the entire crusade. Or not the crusade, excuse me, the heresy.
0: Yeah. That could make for a fun short story, too.
1: I'm thinking, like Dave said, either Inquisitor or maybe like a rogue trader story, if you think mm. about it.
0: Yep, so that's what they have regarding the the xenocides here in Book 9. It's probably scattered here and there throughout the book, but that's the meat of it. Oh my god, there's so much here. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there really is.
0: We can skip ahead to Exemplary Battles and page 120. They actually have an uh, account of the Battle of Odvek Moor. Let's go for it. Of all the campaigns waged by the First Legion, it is their battles against the Rangda that have most intrigued historians and scholars. For the veil of secrecy cast over these engagements has served only to make the myths that have been taken the place of truth all the more grand. There is little information to be found outside of the most carefully guarded sections of the Imperial Archives and the records of the Dark Angels themselves, a legion well-known for rigorously maintaining its many secrets. However, for the first of the Great Wars against the Rangda, there is another source of information available to us. The Data cores of the Rebel Forge World of Xana. Raided and burned by Loyalist forces during the Scouring, before its Dark Magos fled into exile... Much information was recovered from the Forge world that the First Legion could not seal away. It is from these meticulously gathered scraps of knowledge that a true picture of the first battle between the Dark Angels and Rangda can be formed. Oh boy. The First Legion gathered a mighty armada for the assault on Odvexmoor. Some 50,000 warriors, the First Legion, and another 100,000 support troops drawn from both Imperial Army regiments and Mechanicum Tagmata forces from nearby Xanae as well as near a full hundred capital-class starships, and many times of that, smaller escort craft. At that time, there was a fearsome force of arms, but one still reckoned lacking, lacking by many for the task they had set themselves. The initial reports from the 5th Legion fleet that had made for the first charts of Advexmore painted a grim picture for the assault force, for the six worlds of Odvexmores were f- heavily fortified and garrisoned, So much so that the strategio of the Divisio Mitaris would initially believe this to be the seat of the Rangda's power in our galaxy rather than the isolated outpost it was later found out to be. Vast legions of captured humans and more exotic breeds of slave awaited the attackers, slave soldiers bound to the Rangdan masters by cruel neural collars that enforced absolute loyalty and reduced them to little more than savage drones to the Xenos that commanded them. The Rangda themselves possessed many horrific weapons, the product of a vile technology created solely for the destruction and subjugation, the ultimate expression of which was the vast war moon that sat in orbit of Advex Mors Primus. This immense engine of war could match the firepower of a full fleet of starships and bore armor capable of shrugging off strikes from most capital weaponry. It would prove the greatest obstacle to the invasion and the most terrible symbol of the Rangda's power and malevolent ingenuity. The First Legion, led by their new Grandmaster, Urian Vendrake, welcomed the challenge presented them. Indeed, to succeed in the face of overwhelming odds and prove the valor of his Legion was one of the goal- core goals Grandmaster Vendragg had assigned to the campaign, a return to glory for the First Legion. In honor of this goal, the fighting began in grand style as the assembled fleet tore an opening into the fabric of space to translate into Advex Moors as a single wedge of steel and guns. This feat of navigation, impressive in its own right, was overshadowed by the sheer might of the fleet assembled, with the leading squadron comprising no less than three Gloriana battleships, The Invincible Reason, Paradigm of Hate, and Truth's Razor. Two more names of uh, Glorianas there. I feel like I've read them before, but...
2: I I think they've shown up before. I think uh, we've seen... I think it was The Invincible Reason... Um, show, showed up in the last uh, Siege of Terror novel.
0: Yeah, well, so the... Mm,
2: no, was it not that one? Was it the... Uh, so trailer? the Invin-
0: the Invincible Reason is uh, the Lion's flagship. Okay. It might be a truce Razor.
2: i I'd have to double-check. <clears throat> one of those two, I think, shows up. Because the, the First Legion has the three Glorianas, right?
0: At least that we know of, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I guess they could have more.
0: (laughs) They could definitely have more, and we wouldn't know it. Uh, Those few scattered squadrons of Rangdon Warp... Man, Warp... bar Barks? Sorry, I'm reading that it looks like Warp-BQs. Anyway. Retake that. Uh, Those few scattered squadrons of Rangdon Warp Barks, able to oppose the sudden appearance of the Imperium's fleet were quickly swept aside by the sheer strength of the first legion's gathered ships. Even the foul weaponry of the Rankin void Voidcraft and apathetic bravery of the neural thralls that crewed them could not slow the Imperium's advance. Though the complex electromagnetic weapons employed by those ships, often called shadow blasters by naval crews for the ominous shadows left behind by their atomized victims, left many crewmen crippled by radiation sickness. The invasion of Odvek's more extremists followed the ex- initial successes in orbit, with the Grand Master himself deploying at the head of the First Legion's 8th chapter to spearhead the assault. Extremis possessed only limited strategic worth, playing host to a small facility that refined fuel from the vast seas of liquid hydrogen trapped beneath the thick icy crust, and was defended by only a small garrison of slave soldiers and a single Rangdon overseer. Uh, yet despite this, its value to the morale of the invasion force and as a statement of the First Legion's power was immense. 1,000 warriors of the First Legion took to the field against 10,000 of the foe, a frenzied wave of flesh puppets sent by their Xenos overlord into a mindless fury, to spend their lives recklessly that the foe might be crushed. The dark wave of mind-slaved warriors washed over the First Legion's lines, and was shattered and broken by the Legionus Astartes in a battle that lasted but three short hours, and at a cost of them of less than 200 casualties." Urian Vendrag himself descended into the boreal hell of the ice mines and slew the Rangdon overlord in personal combat, emerging to hoist its head before the assembled warriors of his legion. So would go the fighting of the four outer worlds, each small garrison isolated by the vast Imperium fleet and destroyed in detail by different uh, detachments of the first legion, each testing and probing the foe for weaknesses. The Rangdas spent the lives of their slaves, profligating... I... to bleed the legion, sending tens of thousands to their deaths to slow their advance and call the numbers of invaders, losing but a handful of true rangda as the first legion celebrated their victories. Within the space of few short months, the Imperium's fleet had crushed the four outermost planets of the system and stood upon the threshold of Advex Mor Primus. Here would begin the true battle, for as the first legion had spent its time subjugating the outer worlds, the Rangda had gathered all their strength among the huge shielded fortresses of Primus, and in its skies hung the vast War Moon, a sentinel of huge and terrifying power. Here there would be no simple triumph, and the First Legion turned to a far more daring plan to secure victory. Knowing that any effort to destroy the War Moon by means of a sustained orbital assault would result in massive casualties and allow the planet beneath even more time to fortify and prepare, Grandmaster Vendrake planned to strike both targets at once using the might of his legionus Astartes warriors. A single chapter would attack the war moon under cover of a diversionary attack by the fleet and disable it from within, while the majority of the legion would conduct a massive planetary landing and crush the world's capital in a single focused assault. It's like a reverse Endor, basically.
1: Great. War moons, Endor, fantastic. <laughs>
0: The phalanx of heavy Imperium battleships advanced on Advex Moor Primus, but unlike previous engagements, the Lumpen Xenos defense barges did not rush headlong to meet them and be torn apart by the heavy guns of the First Legion. Instead, the Rangdon craft form a defensive constellation about the War Moon, denying the Imperium fleet any easy opening by which to deploy landing craft or make a concerted assault, and displaying a level of tactical awareness herewitho, uh, hitherto, Unexpected by the Emperor's forces, who were now forced to attack the concentrated guns of the foe. The space around Rangda erupted in light as the two fleets clashed above the immense face of the war moon and hundreds of thousands of guns let fly, punctuating the void with both the yellow flash of Imperium macro cannon and a malefic green flare of Rangdan shadow blasters. Within the first few moments both fleets had lost entire squadrons of craft with concentrated weapons fire from the innumerable guns of the War Moon ripping apart even the most heavily shielded of Imperium Voidcraft and spreading storms of the breeze across the battle zone. This was a war of attrition the Imperium forces had wanted to avoid and could ill afford to prolong, but one they could not easily abandon without ceding control of Primus to the enemy. It would only be the sacrifice of the battleship, Paradigm of Hate, that would finally turn the tide of engagement. Oh, crap. We lost, what a glori- a name. we lost a Gloriana to this one. But
1: what we- a name to lose, you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> the ancient battleship, its void shields flaring as it strove to absorb the sheer weight of fire shown as at it, plowed into the enemy's formation and scattered the lesser ships of the Rangda. Infested by Rangdon's stalker drones and badly wounded by exotic energy weapons of those Xenox craft, the paradigm of hate slammed into the vast hull of the War Moon, gouging a deep wound into its metal hide. The survivors of its crew and contingent of First Legion warriors aboard the battleship took up defensive positions within the shattered wreck of their vessel and set the plasma reactor to reach catastrophic overload even as the Rangda hosts aboard the vast War Moon moved to overwhelm them. A brief and bloody action was fought in the cold void of the war moon's surface, with full detachment of towering Rangdon warriors committing to the battle for the first time. Brutally strong and armed with weapons of terrible power, the Rangda proved a match for the Imperium for the Legionus Astartes, both sides inflicting serious casualties upon their foe, but not overrun the first legion's defenses in time to prevent the paradigm of Hate's vengeance. The warriors that had once rode the proud ship into war sacrificed themselves that she might strike one last blow against the foe, her reactors exploding like a miniature sun, crippling the vast war moon and spreading a deadly storm of debris across high orbit.
2: I, I, I just, <clears throat> I love it. I think there's something almost sort of um, primeval about that, right? Like the, the final sacrifice of mm. a ship that's going down and then the warriors that are committed to the surface with no chance of escape. Right. there's no teleporting back. Yep. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's almost like intrinsic, I think in our, our lore, you know, that that would happen again and again. But, mm. uh, it's, 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 I love it. I think it's, it's, uh, you know, it's very evocative, I think.
0: Yep. And so another yeah. thing they mentioned, um, Like the shadow blasters apparently leave their uh, victims atomized. The fact they're glowing green gives me some Necron vibe. I know it's not the Necrons. At least I don't think it's the Necrons. But the way they talk about the glowing green guns that, you know, basically vaporize their enemies, it feels very similar.
1: Yeah, it feels like a gauze blaster, but at least everything we know as of right now you know, there isn't a tomb world awoken yet. Although don't the blood angels wake one up in some small story. If I remember. Correctly, I think the ultramarines
0: story? do. Ah, uh, that's what it is. But, yeah. um, could be. Yeah. to something I, I don't know, but I could also see the Necrons having a war Moon too. So true, but I don't think there is, a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for?
2: The I, they don't game. take slaves.
3: Yeah. I, was I don't. Say that's they true. Yeah. On slaves and thralls. Yeah, it's true. These guys
1: sound too insectoid to
3: be. Yeah. I mean, what Shadow Blasters and taking slaves makes me think of immediately is the Dark Eldar, but nothing else about that fits. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't see the Dark Eldar having a War Moon.
3: Oh, yeah, not at all.
0: I mean, they're <laughs> political raiders. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's just me wondering, wanting to know more about the Rangda. So we'll get there, I'm sure. Sure. Uh, with its death, the battleship had brought the rest of the fleet a brief respite, a chance to press the foe, and the orbital battle quickly fell into chaotic melee of intermixed ships and squadrons, each locked in a desperate struggle for survival in a mass of duels between individuals and squadrons. The remaining battleships, Invincible Reason and Truth's Razor, blast a path in the low orbit, weathering enemy attack craft and strikes from ground-based weapon platforms to begin landing ground forces, abandoning any attempt to capture the shattered and silent war moon. As the sky filled with the light of a thousand tiny battles fought in the void, the massed forces of the First Legion made planetfall, a rain of drop pods falling onto the wastelands away from the chain of fortresses that girded the equator while several several smaller forces dispersed in squadrons of gunships and Stormbird transports. It would be these smaller forces that saw action first, mounting raids on the nearest fortresses, and those columns of slave soldiers sent to investigate the landing zone, buying time with the blood of the enemy for their brothers to array themselves for battle. Steel Rain For the first day, these raiding columns, mostly led by warriors of the Order of Crows and the marshals of the Hosts of Wind and Fire, bore the brunt of the fighting. At first, they had only had to contend with lesser forces of slave soldiers, driven into the paths by the Rengda to weaken them, and easily bested by the battle-hardened Legionus Astartes. But they also had to be the first to face the true Rengda in combat. Little is known of the enemy those warriors faced, that they were towering creatures of fell strength, inhuman cunning, and bearing the products of a cruel technology that equaled or even exceeded that of mankind, is common to all tales that would later be told. The warriors that fought those initial battles suffered terribly. Many of the columns reduced to less than half their original strength as they fended off the Rangda, and several were annihilated entirely. But the information they procured was priceless indeed. The tactics, weaponry, and character of the Rangda were laid bare to the Grand master Vendrig, though at the cost of several hundred of his finest warriors. And with this, he planned his next steps. Arrayed and ordered to take full advantage of their foe's weakness, the host of the First Legion advanced and forced to meet their enemy, a host of near 30,000 Legionis Astartes in full panoply of glory and with all the brutal weapons of their trade, the full muster of those still combat-capable and not bound to serve in orbit aboard the ships of the fleet. Such a force was a threat that could not be ignored, and the proud and still certain of their superiority, quickly moved to oppose the creatures that dared to invade their home. The two armies met across a 100 kilometers of Advex Moor's broken outlands. The initial stages of the battles were fought against the slave legions of the Rangda by the screening elements of the Host of Blades and the heavy tanks of the Hosts of Iron, warriors ready to counter this by-now-familiar Rangdan tactic. Knowing that the true Rangda would expend their slaves and with abandon in order to pinpoint a weakness in the legions Astartes' lines before attacking, Pinning their strengths against the weakest point of their opponent, Grandmaster Vendrake had massed his finest warriors, veterans of the hosts of Crows and Bone, to act as a mobile reserve. Meanwhile, mobile elements of companies led by warriors of the host of Wind, mounted on swift jet bikes and speeders, isolated and harried the main body of the Rangdon Force and relayed precise information on their movements, made complacent by centuries of conquest and success, the Rangdon elite watched and waited." fully assured that they would claim victory once committed to the fighting against an exhausted and drained foe. Rather than wait for the hammer blow to fall and sunder his formation, Grandmaster Vandreg moved first, leading a charge that burst through the slave-soldier battalions and bore down upon their waiting Rangdon overlords. Too proud to retreat in the face of such a challenge, the Rangdon met the warriors of the First Legion blade-to-blade blade in a savage melee that tested the metal of both forces, The stoic brutality and measured swordsmanship of the First Legion matched against the savage might and cruel technology of the Rangda. Legiones Astartes' warriors were cut asunder by Rangdan warriors enveloped in layers of energy shielding that burned the very air about them as they fought, while the lithe, vulpine Xenos fell before the tyrannic greatswords of the First Legion Terminators. It was a slaughter that would have ended in mutual annihilation both sides equally matched in skill and power until Vendrag made the Ra- met the Rangdon, Warmaster, in single combat. Vendrag was a superlative swordsman, strong of arm and swift in battle. Yet his foe was a towering monster cloaked in burning energy fields and wielding a huge crystalline blade that bled a neurotoxin of hideous potency. For an hour the duel raged, and as the warriors died around them, the two generals fought with savage ferocity, never giving an inch, in the end, though racked by pain of the toxin raging in his blood and his armor rent and sundered, Urian Vendreg slew his foe and held the severed head of the Rangdon Warmaster. The battle decided and the pride of that foul Xenos breed broken. With the greatest strength of the foe shattered in open combat by warriors of the Emperor and the Warmaster a cooling corpse in the dust, those Rangda that remained fled and took refuge in the fortresses left to them. However, with the Imperium's ships consolidating control of orbit now that the war moon had been broken and the Grand Master's hosts had scattered the greatest strength of their defenses, the Rangda were a broken force. The next few months became a series of grueling sieges as the First Legion surrounded and reduced each of their fortresses by storm, leaving no stone upon stone and utterly erasing all trace of the enemy on the world that had once claimed. While in orbit, specifically while in orbit, specially equipped cadres of breachers and destroyers swept the vast ruins of the War Moon, slaughtering the thousands of Rangda still trapped in its labyrinthine warrens. Yet the cost of this victory was staggering, with some ten thousand of the First Legion slain and fifty ships of the line utterly removed, utterly destroyed, including the irreplaceable paradigm of hate, the wreckage of which could not be salvaged from the fused remains of the War Moon. This was the legacy they wished to leave a symbol of their legion in a barren waste, they made of advex more and a message to those who might seek to oppose them. Those that would seek war with the first legion would be met by a foe that would not balk when faced with a higher cost to claim victory, a host that would bring an enemy, not only to the feet, but to utter annihilation.
2: It, <coughs> thanks for taking us through all that, Jesse. That was, that was awesome. um, one of the things that I I try to do when we do one of these heresy grad schools is I try to go through the full color plates that are scattered throughout you know the entire book uh-huh. right and I try to find something that has a reference to um, you know what we're talking about and there's nothing in here that uh, has a reference to, to the Rangdon Xenocide uh, be- and and it sort of occurred to me as I was going through well of course not right because any mention of them, even any heraldry, uh, would have had to be very obscured or stricken. And so, really, it sort of becomes almost, um, I guess, a, a point of, of obvious, you know, point of the obvious. But so much of the Dark Angels, I think, of their symbology and their um, heraldry is, is so complex and so obscured because they couldn't. Um, they couldn't talk about it, right? It wasn't, sure. the, you know, the, the the data records were sealed. And so the only, at all, the only reference we have to sort of that uh, heraldry is the Order of the Broken Claw, which is, it's actually got a pretty cool symbol. If you guys wanted to check it out on page 107, uh, we talked about it, but it's sort of like three claws on a, you know, a ring. Um, but if you guys, you know, I was just thinking, if you wanted to do a force of Dark Angels that, you know, had been at Rangda, maybe in Order of the Claws, you know, maybe from the Firewing. It's the only way I could think of sort of marking them out.
1: You could do a small, like, ZM force of Vets and make that
2: an Order of the Mm -hmm. Claw army. Yeah.
0: No, that definitely would be cool.
2: It just seems like I mean, uh, you, you know, the full color plates that we do see. Obviously, a lot of them reference the campaign against the Night Lords, which is ostensibly what this book is all about—the Thromas Crusade, etc. Um, because that, by the time of the Horus Heresy, you know, can't really can't really hide that, you know. <laughs> um, so, uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of Legion markings and call out to that, but yeah. I, I do love um, in addition to maps which I couldn't find anything on uh, Advex more just the in the northern sort of the northern galactic fringes uh, I do I do like to look at sort of the, the the details and the symbology and stuff like that so I couldn't find anything on the Order of the Broken Claw, or any references to Rangda. So guys, if you find anything that I've missed or that's buried somewhere in another book, please um, please let us know.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to find the, uh, the two that were the two plates of Dark Angels in book six. My gut says they don't say anything about Rangda, but I could be mistaken. Well, for some reason, they just lost to me right now.
2: Yeah. I'm uh, in there too, looking... I I do wish that at some point
0: Warhammer
2: Digital, Forge World, whatever, whoever, Mm -hmm. man, gives us a PDF version of this, right? If we just search.
0: Yeah. Here we go. Page uh, 68, uh, no, I'm sorry, 72.
2: Oh, yeah, beautiful, man. uh,
1: mm Mm-hmm.
0: I know. That's all I had to go on for years. (laughs) So here they are, page 72 and 73 of book six. Uh, Xana incursion, which is not that. And for the Terminator, gorgeous Terminator. Um, Xana incursion assigned to the Dark Sovereign. Yep. Who knows?
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't think you'd see any campaign markings or anything that would mark out the Rangda, because they it, it can't, right? I mean, it's that's a it's a closed.
0: Not really. Closed no
2: closed book, right?
0: Mhm.
2: you have the transfer? They don't have to Order of the Broken Claw on the transfer sheet, do they?
0: Uh, God, I don't believe 16. the Order of the Broken broken Claw, no. Now you're going to make me check that. I don't think so, though. I feel like I would have seen that. Anyway. So yeah, I think uh, as far as uh story goes, we'll probably leave it from here. <laughs> Until next time with another uh, delve into the Dark Angels because good God, there's so much here. We're gonna, we're going to have to Probably, do like a yeah. megasod at some point. Just to just oh, to just blast through every so many battles, <laughs> all the battles. Cuz I mean, after yep. maybe we'll, do a li- yeah. maybe we'll do a live we'll do a live show That'd be or cool.
2: Something. I would definitely be down for that. A couple hours, maybe 2, 3 hours at your place, couple glasses of whiskey, books mm-hmm. open. Yeah, man, sign me up.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Be all for it. Sounds good. Folks, thanks again for uh, sticking around and listening to another uh, adventure with the Dark Angels. If you enjoy our episode or enjoy the show at all, yeah. if you enjoy the show, be sure to give us a a like or subscription or just leave a comment below. And wherever you listen to this, uh, be sure to find us on Facebook and Twitter at RR30K Podcast. You can follow our Instagram at Remembrancers underscore retreat. You can follow our uh, join our Discord, which we'll leave a link in the show notes here. You know, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts or a link to RSS on any favorite podcast app. Uh, go to solo.to forward slash rr30k for all these links. And if you uh, really enjoy our content and would like to uh, become a patron, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash rr30k. Thanks to all our patrons, starting with our creators, Alex Self, Chris Mack, Jacob Dillon, Gardner, Tree of Woe, Joe from Music City Heresy, Luke Rizzuto, Matthew Boyce, Mr. Baldwick, Nicholas Quenga, and Sar Luther. Our Legion Centurions, Aaron Maynard, Andrew N., Angry Boy, Morn Grimm, Duncan, John Christensen, M. Tanzer, Queen Corswain, Scott LeMay, and the original Applesauce. And finally, our Legion Sergeants, Agrippina, Emily O'Hare, Garrett Lowe, Gore Crow, Mr. Sear, Nick Gillen, the Zoe and What Do I Call Myself. Thank you all very much for your support. And that is all I have for today. Alrighty.
1: Thank you for doing all the, the hard work and reading, Jesse.
2: Yeah, and the editing.
0: Yeah, and the editing. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's all, all the all the hard work.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, all the hard work. Thanks. Thanks for doing everything.
0: You're welcome. But we hope to see you guys again soon. Uh, take care. And bye for now.
2: See you guys later.